Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why you might feel stronger after just one workout, why the Earth's core doesn't melt even though it's so hot, and the surprising neurological condition of face blindness. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Getting stronger means growing bigger muscles, right? Well, not necessarily. A flurry of studies published over the last few years has revealed something surprising about getting those gains. It turns out the nervous system plays a huge role in getting stronger, at least when you first start working out. Stay with me here. So imagine you start going to a gym or doing some socially distant bodyweight exercises at home. You steadily increase the number of push-ups and pull-ups you can do over the first week. But when you look in the mirror, it doesn't seem like your muscles are any bigger. And they're not. It takes several weeks of exercise for muscles to grow. But judging by the number of reps you can do, you're definitely stronger. So where are those gains coming from? Well, they're happening in your nerves. In order to lift a weight, whether it's a barbell or your own body, your brain has to send a signal from the motor cortex to your spinal tract to the motor neurons in the muscle that make it contract. As you exercise, those signals get stronger. Consider this recent study in the Journal of Neuroscience, which involved a couple of incredibly strong monkeys. Researchers attached electrodes to bundles of nerves in two female macaques. Then they enticed them to work out five days a week for nearly three months. By the end of the regimen, the primates were able to perform the monkey equivalent of 50 one-armed pull-ups. That's 50 one-armed pull-ups. Man, they should sign up for a Spartan race or something. Anyway, after analyzing the data from the electrodes, the researchers did indeed find that nerves along the spinal tract were relaying stronger, more urgent messages from the motor cortex to the muscles that had been trained. This could explain a lot of weird things that happen during strength training. Like, did you know that if you only work out one arm, the other arm will get stronger anyway? That's called cross-education, and scientists think it might happen because that nerve signal isn't picky. It gets stronger in both the trained and the untrained arm. It could also explain why even though lifting lightweights and heavyweights leads to the same increase in muscle mass, the heavyweight leads to greater gains in strength. It comes down to a stronger nerve signal. So if you're feeling stronger after a few workouts, don't thank your muscles. Thank your nervous system. I felt stronger after just one last week. Ashley, I went for a run. Really? Nice. And you felt stronger? I did. I went for a run. for the. I have not gone for a run this year, for sure. And definitely several months before that, because, you know, winter. But I went for a run, and man, I felt really good after. Like, I was really happy and just like some kind of chemical cocktail just like was all over my brain and it was really good. And I was like, I'm in a better mood than I've been in for like several weeks. And like, I've been really happy about stuff too. So dude, it was a good time. I am like all about the running now. I'm going to get back on that. But yeah, just after one. Nice. None of this is news to you, but <laughs> no, it's great. I'm, I'm always happy when someone discovers the joy of running. I myself, I don't want to brag, but I did work up to 10 pull-ups in a row during the quarantine. And I'm pretty happy about that. I think I started with three or four. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Now your next goal is 50 one-armed pull-ups. Clearly. Those macaques set a pretty high bar. Pull-up bar, that is. 
At the very center of our planet, inside a liquid outer core, there's a Pluto-sized orb of solid iron. You heard me right. I said solid, even though it's nearly the same temperature as the surface of the sun. You'd think it would melt, right? I mean, that's pretty hot. Well, you're not alone. Scientists wondered the same thing for years. But in 2017, a team of Swedish researchers figured it out. So... The atoms in a solid block of iron are arranged in a crystal structure. At the normal temperatures and atmospheric pressures we're familiar with, iron takes on a classic cube shape with eight corner points and a center point. But at extremely high pressures, iron's structure morphs into what's called a hexagonal close-packed phase, or an HCP phase, with each point surrounded by 12 other points. Since the pressure at the Earth's core is extremely high, most scientists believed that the iron there takes on that hexagonal formation. If it didn't, it wouldn't stay solid. At least that's what they thought. Scientists at KTH Royal Institute of Technology in Sweden simulated the conditions in the Earth's core on a supercomputer, and they got a big surprise. The simulation showed that the core is actually in a cube structure. And it's thanks to the very extremes that scientists thought made it impossible. See, at normal temperatures, that cube structure is unstable, and its atomic planes easily slide out of the structure into a liquid state. But in the extreme temperatures of the core, atoms are moving so quickly, so close together, that they don't have anywhere to go. They're like passengers on a packed subway car. They might switch positions, but the crowd maintains its original shape. And in the summertime, it smells really bad. <laughs> this explains more than why Earth's core is solid. It also explains why seismic waves, the kind that cause earthquakes, travel faster between the Earth's poles than they do through the equator. The way that atoms move along this cubic structure adds texture to the iron the way wood has a grain which gives it a preferred direction. And this understanding of our planet's structure can help us make important predictions for what might happen to it in the future. Thanks, supercomputers. Being able to recognize faces is something that seems natural to most of us. But what if you couldn't? There's a neurological condition that makes it almost impossible to recognize faces. It's called prosopagnosia, or face blindness, and it's much more common than you probably think. Prosopagnosia comes in two forms. Acquired prosopagnosia is the rarer kind, and it happens due to brain damage. Developmental prosopagnosia is the more common form. It's a neurodevelopmental condition similar to dyslexia. Just like people with dyslexia have difficulty recognizing words, people with prosopagnosia have problems recognizing faces. Otherwise, people with prosopagnosia are completely normal in terms of attention span, memory, and general intelligence. Famous people with prosopagnosia include Brad Pitt, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, and primate researcher Jane Goodall. But this list could be much longer. Researchers estimate that as many as 1 in 50 might experience varying degrees of prosopagnosia. It's difficult to know for sure because many people with the condition aren't aware there's a problem. They become so accustomed to their condition that they often don't realize that they're mostly recognizing people based on non-facial cues like voice, posture, or social context. 
Often, they won't be able to recognize a friend that changes their hairstyle or appears in an unexpected place, like a doctor's office. This can even extend to their family members. Understandably, face blindness often comes with social anxiety, and this starts at an early age. Face blind children struggle to form friendships and social connections. Adults will often avoid social events like conferences and parties, and might come off to others as being rude. This condition often runs in families. In fact, every face blind participant in a 2006 study was found to have at least one first degree relative with the condition. Although scientists don't understand the exact genetic mechanisms, they think the condition is caused by a single dominant gene variant. This variant seems to cause specific regions of the brain in something called the fusiform face area to develop improperly. Those are little marble-sized areas that sit just behind the ears, and they're crucial in a person's intrinsic ability to recognize faces. Unfortunately, prosopagnosia isn't curable. Still, recent research suggests that it may be possible to train face-blind people to recognize faces based on other details, like the spacing of facial features. But if you don't count yourself among the face-blind, just remember, if someone you've met doesn't recognize you, have some understanding. There may be more going on than you think. All right, let's go over what we learned today. Well, you feel stronger after just one workout because you're not just working out your muscles, you're also working out your nerves. Strengthening those connections makes you stronger, just like when you grow bigger muscles. I am definitely going for a run again this week. And we learned that the Earth's iron core doesn't melt because the iron atoms are so densely packed in that they don't have anywhere to go. So they just kind of stay solid. And we also learned that face blindness is surprisingly common and researchers haven't figured out exactly what causes it. But again, don't let it stop you from trying great things. And try not to judge others too harshly if they don't recognize you. You never know. You know, Cody, I know at least four people, all women, who have face blindness. Wow. Yeah. When I think about meeting them for the first or second time, I think the second time is the most important, right? Because they're supposed to recognize me. It was always different. Some of them, I think, cope by being really outgoing and friendly to everyone so that no one can ever tell that they haven't recognized someone. And then other people, it just seems like I didn't make an impression on them and they're not really interested in getting to know me, which is hard, you know. And as I got to know them and learned that they had face blindness, I figured out that, no, they just don't recognize me and that's fine. And I just introduced myself again and it's and they know who I am. Yeah, that's tricky. I've only met one person with it and you met him, too. It was one of our past guests. You know, you said in the story, many very successful people have it. This is one of our most successful guests. I won't name him because we've had many on the program and I couldn't tell if it's public or not. But a very notable, successful person that we've talked to on Curiosity Daily introduced himself and he was like, hi, I, you know, I, I apologize I, if I don't recognize you. I've got face blindness. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know. Right. And he came out with it immediately. Yeah. And so so it just wasn't even an issue. Yeah. yeah. But definitely not a debilitating condition you can't overcome on your path towards being successful. Absolutely. Today's stories were written by Grant Curran, Ashley Hamer, and Cameron Duke, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.